Hello everyone, welcome to All About Nigeria, a podcast where our host talks about Nigeria's history, politics, infrastructure, and a whole range of other topics. We would love to hear your views about all the things we talk about, so join us on Twitter at All About Nigeria. Thank you for listening. Hello, once again, and um, welcome to It's All About Nigeria, the podcast that um, has been designed to actually engage the young ones, the youths amongst Nigerians, and to let them know about Nigeria. The last podcast that we did was an introductory session in which I expressed my hopes for Nigeria and how I expect Nigerian youth to actually see their country and to take away all the negative vibes that um, we seem to portray about this country. This podcast is about patriotism, it's about nationalism, and it's about a belief in the greatness of Nigeria. And also it's to reinforce that Nigeria isn't an accident. It's actually still a work in progress, but the work in progress is leading us towards a very beautiful end. So this podcast today will be a session to talk about the pre-independence era of Nigeria and to find out if truly we were divided along ethnic, you know, basis, as people would want us to believe. I'm lucky in that I was born just a year after independence, and as such, I can say that the Nigerian story is my story. So I would be talking about things that I actually experienced and things that I know. I'm also lucky in that I have done a lot of history studied a lot about Nigerian history and done a lot of research. And my history tells me that contrary to what people will want us to believe about Nigeria and the ethnic divisions that is assailing the country right now, that we didn't start like that. Nigeria wasn't always this divided. In fact, Nigeria and Nigerians, most of our national most of our nationals that actually fought for independence were nationalistic in outlook. They were not regional or tribal. There is the notion that a lot of people want, and it is about the national conference, the result of the national conference that was held during the era of um, Good Luck Jonathan, President Good Luck Jonathan, and people were advocating for a return to the regions. So in this session, I'm going to take a look at what the regions were in those days and why we moved away from them and whether it makes sense to even advocate going back to the regions, given that we have moved past that. Nigeria became an independent nation, as everybody knows, on the 1st of October, 1960. That was the day that the British people handed over nationalism and citizenship to us and gave us our independence from Britain. It was a very, very wonderfully joyous occasion for people who were around there because finally they had been able to 
get the British colonial masters out of the nation. Then at independence, we had a regional system of governance because we were operating the parliamentary system. The parliamentary system was the same one that the British were operating in their country. So it was only logical that that was the system that they would put in place in Nigeria. Now, what is this parliamentary system and how does it differ from what we now operate? Parliamentary system is a system that derives virtually all the powers from the parliament. The parliament was made up of people who were elected from different regions and they were members of parliament. So the parliament is the legislative house. Now in the time of the, um, when we were operating the parliamentary system, a prime minister is usually chosen from amongst the parliament members. So the prime minister is called prime because he's, he's seen as the first among equals, but he was actually chosen on the floor of the house from the party that had majority in the parliament. Now the difference between that and what we now operate is that in the presidential system, which we now have, the president is not chosen from amongst the legislature, from amongst the national assembly, no. The president derives his powers from the citizens. He's elected in a separate election from by the citizens, which means that he's accountable to the citizens and is not so strict or central accountable to the parliament. So if you understand the difference between parliamentary system and presidential, you see that we operate a different system altogether. In the time in 1960, we had the regions, three major regions. We had the Western region, we had the Eastern region and the Northern region. Later on, I think in 63 or 64 or 65, we now had the Midwestern region, which was carved out of the Western region at that time and a part of the Eastern region. At the time in 1960, when we got our independence, we had Tafawa Balewa, Sir Abubakar Tafawa Balewa as the prime minister. And we had um, uh, Amadou Belu. Amadou Belu was the premier of the Northern region. We had Chief Obafemi Awolo as the premier of the Western region. And we had Zik at one time as the premier of the Eastern region. You know, but the 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 eastern region at that time was, um, as I said, Dr. Namdi Azikwe was the one who was the premier of the eastern region. Now, how did we fare under the regions? The regions. It is quite true that the regions were operating separately, but every region contributed to the centre. And the minute Chief Obafemi Awolowo had um, the next majority of party members as um, MPs, as member of parliament, he had to become the opposition leader in the house. In the presidential system, we don't have such a thing as opposition leader like they had in the parliamentary system because the opposition leader is actually a position 
that is recognized by the Constitution. So Chief Obafemi Awolo had to go to the center and become the opposition leader. And at that time, there was an opening for the premiership of the Western region. And Saladuke Akintola became the premier of the Western region. In the days of regional government, all the regions did was that they controlled their regions and they contributed to the, the um, economy of the state. But if you look at now, you will see that we have moved far beyond the regional government kind of system in the sense that in those days, the Western region probably had less than 20 million people. The Eastern region, the, even the Northern region, the same thing. Now we have 200 million people in the whole nation and the Western region contributing close to 60 million of that number with the North also contributing a large portion of that percentage of that number. So in those days, it was easier for you to operate a regional system because you were not catering for a lot of people. We only had one or two universities, University of Ibadan, University of Ife came in later. So we didn't have many universities, we didn't have many. Now we have so many universities, so many schools, so many. Awolowo was even able to do a free education in the Western region. But imagining the number of schools that we have, the number of children that we have. So for us to keep on going back in history to a time of the regions, it's now almost like we're saying return to some a position that is not possible. Let us examine what we have now. We have six states in the southwest, five states in the southeast. We have the south-south with six states. We have the northwest with seven states. We have the northeast with six states. And we have the north central with six states. So we've got 36 states in the Federation. When you say you want to return to the regions, are you going back to the regions of the west, the south, the west, the east, and the north? Or are we going to six regions? If we're going to six regions, we have six states with six governors, with six um, house of, houses of assembly. We have six in the southwest region alone, we've got six um, civil service comprising at least about 2 million workers or 3 million. So when you go into the regions, are you going to collapse the system back to a, to a unitary system for the regions? In which case, we're going to have one regional government. What would happen to the six states and the six governors who have their own settings? If you say that you're going to leave that setup and allow the states to still operate, then what you have just simply done is you've put another layer of governance, another layer of government, because you now have a regional government with six states underneath it. And we, what we have been saying about governance being very, very expensive becomes costlier because you have a, another layer before you now have the, the central government. So to me, a, a call for return to regionalism just isn't appropriate. If it has taken us 50 years to get the nation this far, and we now want to uproot such a system and return to the former system that had its own problems, 
then we would, it would probably take us another 50 years for us to again relearn this concept of regionalism. So I believe that a call for regionalism is just a call for confusion. Now, I said before that were we this divided from beginning, and I answer my own question by saying no. In fact, I would like to quote from some of the former leaders that we had. In particular, I'll talk about Sir Abubakar Tafawa Balewa. His orientation at the beginning when they were fighting for independence, of course, since there were regions, his orientation was perhaps a little bit regionalistic. But he took a trip to the United States of America as the prime minister, and he came back and he said to everybody that if America, that when he was in America, he saw a nation with over 200 different um, settlements that had come together from various tribes, and all of them were united in just believing in a United States of America. And he said, if USA could do that, then Nigeria could do it. And he came back with a nationalistic view. He was more convinced in the nation Nigeria. We're talking about the 1960s. The same thing with Zik. That is um, Dr. Namdi Azikwe, who was the president, the first president of Nigeria, although in a parliamentary system, the president was actually ceremonial. Namdi Azikwe, popularly called Zik, was so, so nationalistic in orientation that even at the time when the first coup was actually, um, should I say, executed and it comprised majority of majors who were from the Igbo extraction, Dr. Namdi Azikwe called them young talks and he said that he did not understand why they had to do what they did and that they were setting the ship of Nigeria as, uh, in, as Sonda. He was very, very upset. He, was, he said he believed just in Nigeria and not in anything else. The same thing at that time with Chief Obafemi Awolo. They fought for Nigeria. These three people who are our foremost in the regions fought for Nigeria in a united manner against the um, colonial masters. So if they did not want Nigeria at that time, they could easily have fought for independence of the regions. But they didn't. They fought for the independence of Nigeria. And at independence, we were united. But in all things of nation building, things will change. A lot of problems would occur. Where we got it wrong was that instead of solving our problems, we began to allow different things to cause disintegration. One of the main problems that we had was in the Western region, and it was between, it was caused by the rivalry between Chief Obafemi Awulowo and Sir Ladoke Akintola. And unfortunately for us, we, we let that to fester into what I would call the, the disintegration of the unity of the Yorubas, so that there were two parties the NNDP, which was led by Sir Ladoke Akitola, and of course the action group by Chief Obafemi Awolowo. 
The minute the action group became opposition government, the action group began to disintegrate, disintegrate in the Western region due to the rivalry between Aketola, uh, Ladoki Aketola and Chief of Afem. And at a particular time, the two parties were fighting so much and there was so much carnage, killings of people that um, Tafar Balewa, as the prime minister, had to declare a state of emergency. That was the period that was called Wetye, and the, the Western region was called the Wild Wild West at that time, because there were so many people being killed, and um, they had to install um, Dr. Majakuduri as the administrator of Western region, thereby cancelling the cons constitution, now provisions and everything for Western region. Now, incidentally, Dr. Maja Kudumi is the one who now founded St. Nicholas Hospital. Of course, his term uh, as the administrator of Western Nigeria wasn't uh, smooth sailing at all because he was usurping the powers of a constitutional body. And so he didn't find it funny. And that was the beginning of problems for the Nigerian nation, as I would say, because Chief Obam Femi Awolowo was accused and taken to court, charged for treason. And he was actually convicted and sentenced to jail. So from there onwards, Nigeria began to go into disintegration. Our political systems began to collapse. And the next thing we had was in 1966 when the coup was executed by the young majors. This was on the 15th of January, 1966. And again, the trajectory of Nigeria into a totally undemocratic period of our life happened with that coup. The coup was called the Major's Coup, because the protagonists were junior officers of the Nigerian army. And unfortunately, they were mostly of the rank of Majors, and they were mostly from the Igbo tribe. That was one area, again, that tribal problems began to come in. Nobody remembers that there was one Yoruba Major amongst them, Major Wale Ademoyega, or because most of the protagonists were Igbo. It began to be called an Igbo coup. And it was even more cemented, that notion was more cemented by the fact that it was an Igbo head of state that was installed. And that person was um, Major General John St. Theophilus Aguyi Ironsi. He was just there simply because he was the most senior military officer, but he was incidentally an Easterner from Igbo tribe. So at this particular time, the coup wreaked a lot of havoc in the northern region. Amadou Belu, who was the premier, was killed brutally. Tafar Balewa was killed. So many northerners were killed. Ladoki Akitola was killed in the western region. So many people. And because of that, everybody thought it had been a deliberate attempt to deal a very, very deadly blow to the northerners. Now, the 
the um, ideology that was behind the coup was given by Ifejuena. And what they said was that they wanted to have a Nigeria back that was going to be a very, very pure Nigeria, so to say. They thought there was a lot of corruption. They thought, as usual, that there was a northern agenda, which is the same thing that we keep on repeating and we have been repeating down the line. A northern agenda that was supposed to be, it was going to take over Nigeria. The northerners were going to perpetrate themselves in leadership. They were going to control every part of Nigeria. There wasn't an Islamization agenda at that time. At least that wasn't what the people were pronouncing as part of the reasons for the coup. But they thought there was a northern agenda to sort of almost um, dominate the other tribes. But the northerners saw it as a sort of terrible, terrible vendetta against them. And thereafter, just barely six months after that, another coup was executed by some northern um, uh, military officers in which Agui Irunzi was killed. Some of the grouse that people had was that uh, Major General Agui Irunzi at that time did not actually punish the coup plotters. Perhaps if that had been done, then people would have felt that there wasn't an Eastern agenda. But unfortunately, unfortunately, the Yorubas that were not really, really that active in the coup also lost people. And not only did they also suffer loss, the Awolowo was later released and Awolowo somehow became important in the politics and the policies of the government that came on board, which gave a feeling that perhaps Awolowo or the West was the beneficiary of some of the fallout between the East and the North. So what, what am I trying to, what am I saying all these things? I'm saying it so that we have a sense of history to see how we started. We started with a nationalistic outlook. Some people had an idea. I don't even want to blame the young um, officers who actually um, executed the coup because every revolution always comes with a, a sort of ideology. The question is, with benefit of hindsight, we always look at the ideology and say, what were they thinking? If it had succeeded and they had put in place perhaps a system where Nigeria was now developing better, we, perhaps we wouldn't, history wouldn't judge them wrong. But at that time, the manner of executing the so-called coup was deadly. And it killed so many people who were innocent that a lot of people have not let go of that hurt. But I would want us to remember that these are past events. The, these things have happened. We shouldn't now continue to live in the wrongs of the past. We should be able as a people to move forward and say that happened in our past. It's our history. Now, how do we move on? 
So what I would like to say before I finish on this particular session is to say that we did not start as a divided nation. Our forefathers started by believing in Nigeria and the fought to have Nigeria set up. So we are not going to let anybody tell us a different history by saying we were always divided. Even though we were operating in regions, we were operating for easy administration. We were not operating in regions so as to pave the way for disintegration. We didn't have secession in mind. That came later after the events of the coup and the counter coups and everything. And if we will also quickly touch base with that, we have to realize that Odumegu Ojuku, who actually pronounced the secession by the Eastern, Easterners at that time, was also in the military. So there was a lot of problems and disaffection and again rivalry and all sorts of things going on in the military. So it's not that the people themselves wanted to move out of Nigeria. Dr. Namdi Azikwe was a very, very reluctant Biafran, extremely reluctant. He spent so much time in diplomacy asking Odime Gojugu not to declare secession. He was a most reluctant um, Biafran. He was called a traitor by a lot of his people at that time because he was nationalistic. The same thing with everybody at that particular time. So let us get this fact right, that Nigeria was not divided at independence. Finally, let me say again that it is all about Nigeria. This podcast is for us to actually begin to appreciate that we are a nation. We have differences, but we can walk through our differences and we can make Nigeria stand and make Nigeria great. Thank you very much.